Hello and welcome back to Fran Babble, the podcast of positive ramblings with me, Franny, and at the moment some wonderful friends. I'd like to start this episode by just, you know, having a little life update really. I feel like ever since I've been doing these sort of interviews with my friends and stuff that I haven't really managed to sort of talk just me to you very much. So I've had a wonderful summer. Um, I've just graduated from my degree in dance and education in Liverpool, which has been so crazy. I had the like the best day ever. It was so nice celebrating three years of hard work with all my wonderful friends. Um, I've just had my birthday as well. I turned 23, which is crazy. <laughs> I feel like a proper, proper adult. Um, and I celebrated with all my amazing uh, family and friends. We had a lovely barbecue. It was stunning. Um, yeah, and then now I'm off my next step. So I'm moving to London in a couple of weeks. And yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited to start my next uh, chapter in the journey that is my life, which is cool. Um, I'm doing my PGC at the Royal Academy of Dance, which is super, super, super exciting. I'm a bit nervous, but I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's where I'm up to. I hope everyone's doing well. And I'm going to wrap this little rant up. So this week's episode is with my wonderful friend, Eleanor Young. So me and Elle lived together back when I was at drama school in 2019, 2020. Um, and we've been wonderful friends ever since. And now Eleanor works not as a performer in the theatre, but instead behind the stage, doing lots of wonderful things. Um, she started out working as an usher and has gradually worked her way up in various jobs within the theatre. And she shares her experience about how she's done that, her advice, and we also talk about how to get some bargains for cheap theatre tickets. <laughs> and before I met Eleanor, I was not very good at getting tickets to shows. And as we as we talk about in this episode... Um, she's so savvy, she knows how to do it, she knows all the tips and tricks and hacks. So um, yeah, we sort of talk about the theatre industry and what it's like to work behind the stage instead of on it. And uh, yeah, it was a lovely conversation and I really, really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here is me and Eleanor Young. Hello. Hello. <laughs> how exciting. Ooh. Welcome Eleanor to Fran Family. you excited? Yes. I'm excited. excited to be here with you. It's so much fun. Um, I feel this is going to be a fun episode. I'm looking forward to it. We haven't seen each other for so long. We haven't. When was the last time we saw each other? Can you remember? Ooh, that is a good question. Possibly... I think... Was it, was it my birthday when I broke your present? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I totally forgot about that. Franny bought me a mug oh. because we, we're tea queens. <laughs> we are tea queens. Um, and <laughs> I put it down on the floor and it smashed. Oh. And then my mum bought me a new one and messaged Franny and was like, well, where did you get the mug from? And my mum bought me a new one, so that was quite cute. We but love Karen. She's we a love queen. Karen. Um, but yeah, I think it was Dream Girls, which was my 22nd birthday. Which seems like a lot. So that's a ago. year and a couple of months. But that ago. was a very good musical. I, was. I cried a lot at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I do for we every musical we possible. We absolutely loved it. But it, we had amazing seats. We go to theatre a lot together. Yes. Well, that's... Okay, let's start by introducing you, Eleanor. Um, first of all, I think maybe how we know each other, because I think it's a bit of an interesting one, and then um, sort of what you do. And this episode is going to be um, around the idea of theatre tickets and theatre and working in theatres but and, not performing but theater. not necessarily the performing side of it which I think is really interesting because you hear a lot about um people auditioning people doing this but actually the unsung heroes are the people who make it all happen and Eleanor is one of those people which is super exciting right so let's start with how we met so we met on a Facebook group <laughs> <laughs> stunning for 
for um, the drama school that we were going to go to. Um, And I think we FaceTimed once and then Mm -hmm. decided we were going to live together. So that was quite crazy. Eleanor was pretty like a girl on a mission, knew exactly where she wanted to live, what she wanted to do. And I happily just fit the bill. (laughs) (laughs) And then she like sorted out where we were going to live and everything. So... Yeah, you were very, very good. Well, when I was audi- when I auditioned for the drama school, I stayed with a friend who mm-hmm. lived in the flat that me and Franny ended up living in. It's perfect. And literally the night before my audition, I went to bed in mm-hmm. my friend's bed. She slept on the sofa so I could have a good night's <laughs> sleep before my oh, audition. Too kind. Um, and I said, I'm going to get into the drama school and I'm going to live in this flat. Yeah. And it happened. Hashtag manifestation. <laughs> didn't, ha- didn't happen how it was supposed to but happen. But that's okay. But as we the know. manifestation for the Franny Eleanor flat but, happened. Yeah, and we had a lovely time in that flat. It was so nice. And now it's the drama school flat. Yeah. Of drama school flat. Made, made a legacy. Exactly. <laughs> we were the second in the legacy, but yeah, it continued on afterwards. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we went to drama school together um, and various things and whatnot. Um, and then obviously COVID happened and... And you had a sort of shift in what you wanted to do and yes. whatnot. And you ended up working at a theatre, which was super exciting. Yeah, so I already worked in a theatre. I've worked in theatre since I was 17. I started um, front of house. That's the kind of area that I do. Mm-hmm. But I've done a bit of everything at the, the theatre that I used to work at. I did front of house. I've done a bit of technical. I used to do maintenance, as in paint the theatre. I didn't fix anything because <laughs> I'm not a DIY queen. Um, I did administration. Yeah. I did box office I've literally done everything apart from the performing (laughs) side because I kind of decided that's not the route that I wanted to go down um and yeah so I have done a little bit of everything but front of house was the main kind of thing um when we went to drama school I didn't have a job so I kind of just worked at the theatre that I worked at back home Mm -hmm. when I was home yeah um and then pre-covid I got a job in a theatre in London did a week and then COVID COVID happened COVID really just ruined that it ruined everything um so sad so then I had to move home and obviously the theatres were shut for Mm -hmm. However long they were, yeah. it was a very long nearly time. two years ish, I think, depending yeah. on what theatre it was. But obviously, we did kind of like phase returns mm-hmm. and staggered seating mm-hmm. and all of the COVID kind of protocols. And now it's kind of still recovering. The industry is still very mm-hmm. much recovering. We're yeah. not back to where we were pre COVID as of yet. Hopefully, next year will be the year. Um, but yeah, so now I work um, in a different theatre. Um, started there about three months ago. Um, as my first manager role as a deputy manager Ooh, of Front of House. <laughs> so exciting. I love that. I love that. And do you think that um, in doing all the different roles that you've done, um, it sort of just made you like wanting to be a manager even more like throughout? Yeah, I think so. Because once I'd kind of decided that performing wasn't what I wanted to do, the only thing that I was really enjoying was working front of house mm-hmm. and kind of being involved in theatre but not having as much of the pressure as being a performer yeah. can put on you. So I think I just wanted to be the person that could make all the decisions and be in the role because I knew so much about it that I feel like my um knowledge needed to be spread and i wanted to be a manager in terms of that because i have an extensive amount of knowledge about it Mm, that's Um, interesting so i wanted to kind of progress in that way and i love going to different theaters and like meeting new people and talking about how they do things and what ways Mm. i do it and whether and and helping new people who want to do it as well so it's all just kind of becoming a manager because of that yeah, I think that's really interesting, like, um, just as you were talking then, I was thinking similarly, like, as a teacher, like, to share your sort of knowledge with people, 
um I think it's like really important to do and I think again within the performing side of it it's constantly like a doggy dog world and everyone's trying to be better than the next person yeah there are very kind people out there but at the end of the day when you're in the audition room you're up against other people it might even be your friends whereas sort of more in teaching and more sort of within like your side of the theatre world it's nice that it's sort of sort of helping people to do their jobs and whatnot and yeah. like passing and that knowledge getting, yeah like so in london if you think about it a lot of people that are out of performing work do their kind of muggle jobs yeah. as they would call it <laughs> um and work front of house or mm. technical in a theatre and a lot of people obviously go to work do the job want to be in a theatre but would never want to progress in theatre because they're so focused on being a performer so there's a lot less people that kind of want to kind of progress in that way or will do it later in life because they don't want to do it now because they want to focus on the prime of their Mm -hmm. career when they're at the prime age to do so yeah that's interesting so my next question is um when you got your very first theatre job yes can you talk to me about that experience sort of um, what were like the first sort of shows and stuff that you like uh, worked on and um, sort of your experience when you first started versus now how your role has like shifted and changed yeah so when I got hired the first job that I did front of house was um, I was a merchandise temp so I was supposed to only work from kind of well the Christmas period because I was um, mm. employed for the panto season mm. so I sold the flashing merchandise in <laughs> a fancy dress costume and literally that is what I did day in day out um for the whole of the panto season and then I really wanted to stay on and thank the lord for another Fran another Fran who got me that job because she already worked there and she said you'd be perfect at this apply and they'll probably keep you on afterwards and they did and um so then my not counting panto the first couple of shows that I did Mm -hmm. um the venue that I used to work at was predominantly kind of one-nighters tribute acts Mm-hmm. not kind of week longs and long running shows as you would think theatres are mm-hmm. um so the first week long that i remember was probably dirty dancing oh. um so that was quite like an interesting one and lots of like tribute acts and one nighters um i yeah. think the biggest one that i the biggest two that i think of from my last venue that i worked on was um ian mckellen mm-hmm. when he did his last kind of theatre tour he came to that theatre and I got to be in the auditorium for that, so that was really nice. And then um, Gary Barlow. Mm. Those two stick out to me because Ian McKellen was quite near at the start of my kind of front of house career, if you think about that, and I was an usher. And then when Gary Barlow came, that was my first manager day. That was the first show that I'd managed on my own as, like, the top duty manager yeah, type of course. role so they're the two that kind of highlights for me in terms of my last venue in yeah. terms of now that my theatre that I work at now is very different in terms of we have a huge stage so we can have mm. all of the big tours that come and have huge sets they fit into our venue very well so like the biggest one so far oh we had oceans at the end of the lane which is a national theater play which Mm -hmm. was absolutely incredible Mm -hmm. um musical wise we have we've had the take that musical next year coming we've got pretty woman um bonnie and clyde lots of like amazing things coming um so yeah lots of kind of bigger shows that run for a a longer time um and aladdin that's coming next year as well for a whole month so that will be amazing 
that's really really exciting and I guess it must be so exciting in terms of like the turnaround time because I can imagine say if you're working in a theatre in London where something's just been the same show for like two three years which is obviously amazing because it gives loads of people the chance to go but equally working in a theatre where things tour and things come in and things change like do you think that's like a really exciting part of the job um say in comparison I guess it was only short-lived the time that you did work in like the theatre like directly in London Mm -hmm. um because of covid damn covid yes um but sort of do you think that maybe your experience would be different if you were working in a theater where it was just the same show over and over and over? yeah so obviously the west end is very different to kind of regional theater with tours and everything Mm -hmm. um i think london is it is its own kettle of fish and they have Mm -hmm. their own like kind of issues and things that happen within them that would never mm-hmm. happen in regional venues the same way that regional venues will have issues and things that will happen that would never happen in a yeah. London venue yeah. um so I think working in I would love to go and work in loads of different venues and kind of you know work in Learn London and also work in regional because yeah. you get a more well-rounded picture of the whole thing and how everything Definitely. works mm-hmm. um people think front of house is you know you just sell ice cream and you work on the bar and you check There's tickets and that's more. about it. There's a lot more behind um the screen, as it were, that you do in terms of like speaking to people that are directly from the company mm-hmm. and um working with every single department in the building, you know, marketing, technical, mm-hmm. admin to actually make the show run. Yeah. It's not just, you know, when you come and see a show and you see the managers what they do mm-hmm. then. There's a lot Definitely. more behind it than than that yeah so exciting um because obviously you're a big theater lover yourself mm-hmm. what was the sort of maybe more into your love of theater now as opposed to sort of your work in terms of questions like um, what was the first show you saw and then follow-up question what is the most recent thing you've seen that has like blown you away so <laughs> the first show i um ever saw was the lion king in the west end and that oh. was the theatre that I got the job in for a week and then COVID happened oh, so, so that sad. was very full circle oh, and I thought yeah. it was going to be a great thing and yeah. then COVID happened and I've never been able to return but that would be a great theatre to work at yeah. um, but Lion King when I was seven oh. um, and we sat in the stalls and I'm not going to ruin it but something happens at the beginning and it's all very <laughs> magical and yes. I remember going and shadowing there when my uh, friend of mine used to work there as well mm. and we watched that bit in the stalls yeah. um from the back and just seeing wow. like everyone's faces when that happens yeah. we watched it from the back but then we also got to watch it from like the side at the front which yeah. not many people we'll would and you just see people's faces light up and like that's why i work in theater because you mm-hmm. want to see people's reactions it's, to the live yeah. things that are going on around that must like, be so exciting it's good you say that because when i um went to america over the summer and i went to see Hades town um a very similar magical amazing moment happens at the end and the whole audience was stood up like complete standing ovation and everyone had clapped whatever but they still had another song left so the entire audience stayed stood up mm. in absolute silence because the last song in Hades Town is more like a lullaby and the whole audience was stood in silence watching. It's something that and, you'll never see. Yeah, and I remember of... looking to the usher, because I was on the end, looking to the usher lady who was there. She was looking at me. I was looking at the audience. She was looking at the audience, looking at me, looking at the audience. And we both were just crying together. Like, because it was just so emotional. Like, there's nothing like that feeling. Is there of like live theatre and stuff. And I, I can imagine as an usher getting to watch the audience you kind of don't think about that do you obviously i know they're doing their drama and making sure no one's taking pictures and like and whatnot 
Um, but it must be amazing to just have that little glimpse round and see everybody like enjoying the, like, the magic of like theatre and stuff, um, which is like super exciting. Yeah, and then the most recent thing I've seen was Back to the Future, mm. which technologically, like the tech team on that is just insane. Amazing. Like, you, I honestly don't know how they do some of it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. Um, and that just blew me away. But there's so many shows that I want to go and see. Yeah. Um, and want to see on tour and go and visit and see and everything so there's so much theatre to be consumed mm. that there's something for everyone definitely and do you think now we're at a point of like trying to people get oh, words <laughs> trying to get people back into the theatres after covid because obviously yeah. first of all the restrictions second of all cost of living crisis and whatnot like it's very difficult for people to go and see theatre but um do you think that it's trying to be accessible or equally do you think there's ways maybe through like today ticks and things like that that people can get cheaper options yeah how do you think how would you like advise people to go and see shows on budget i just think theater will never go away like in terms of covid like we've bounced back we're not there completely yet but we are getting there and we you know there is nothing like live theater it's the same Mm -hmm. with live music it's always going to be around because it gives people something to kind of watch and want to go and see Mm -hmm. and like thrive off like the adrenaline and everything that you get from that is just amazing um in terms of theatre on a budget um especially (laughs) you are the ticket queen (laughs) (laughs) especially in london um there are definitely accessible tickets um today ticks is a very good app um it is quite busy that's the only thing i would say it is you have to be on there 10 a.m or entering the lotteries Mm -hmm. you have to be on it and have multiple options don't set your sights on one show Mm -hmm. because you'll get disappointed if you don't see that show you have to have multiple options it's also good if you have two of you going you can one can go from one show one can go for the other um but yeah that's an accessible option if you're wanting to book things in advance um you don't have to be front and center you don't have to be sitting in the stalls every single time because obviously the best views are going to be the most expensive tickets i'd say um using uh, websites like um seating plan where mm. people take pictures of the views of where they're sitting you can look yeah. at a seat and go would i be happy to pay this amount of money for this price 100 um because i saw dear evan hansen when that was in um the noel coward for like 15 pounds and i yeah. sat right at the top i had to lean over to be able to see i had seen it already to be fair to myself but <laughs> if you're wanting to see things multiple times and you've already paid that major amount of money to watch it the first time and you want to go again, you might, you know... Stumble on, like, a ticket like that. Exactly. And yeah. be able to kind of lessen your view. Not that it was... It was still amazing from that yeah. view, but it definitely wasn't the best view I've ever had. But it's more about the music and mm-hmm. the storytelling and everything. Yeah. It's just seeing things... Because every time you go and see a show, you can see it from a different perspective. Um yeah. Also, depending on the ticket website, they sometimes actually discount them on the day. So sometimes you might see a ticket for £100 and then on the day on their actual website, they've discounted it. Um, Also, if you're under 25 or under 30, sometimes they have schemes that you can sign up for depending on the theatre. So it's always Mm -hmm. good to look out for that. Um, The Musical Theatre Appreciation Appreciation Society on Facebook, they always seem to have people giving away tickets or... Yeah, that's so true. um, Like, putting um tickets on for discounted if people can't go if you're mm-hmm. in london i appreciate it's harder if you're traveling from from afar, from yeah. afar 
um but sometimes it's the chance you've got to take if you want to see if you have multiple things you're happy to see then great that's um also just going to the box office sometimes walking around and seeing if they'll give you you know they might give you a price ticket and then offering you know something an extra mm-hmm. like a drinks voucher or something yeah. to kind of sweeten the deal on the day yeah um that's also a great way of getting cheaper tickets definitely oh, that was very extensive <laughs> i love that um because it is hard and i think until you like as i i always said to you what didn't i like i hadn't seen much theater i mean obviously wanted to but when i was younger and until sort of i came to our drama school and we lived so close and it was like way more accessible we were only like what a half an hour train journey yeah. into london so um we were in a really good place to do today ticks and to get things like we used to go on like a Tuesday night after classes and stuff like which is amazing but up to that point living sort of in the Midlands where I'm originally from like getting to London just seemed like such an effort such a time that I sort of didn't I didn't really see well I'd seen The Lion King when I was really sort of young maybe like 10 11 it must have been 11 or 12 because it was my like in year seven and high school we had like an activity day and um they said like oh do you want to go and see that so we did um and I think it was Mira. Anyway, fact that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I'd seen that, and we were literally the back wall of the. You know, you could hardly see anything. So I don't have much memory of it, um, because obviously I was like quite young and um didn't really know what was going on. But I remember being amazed. And then up to that point, I'd seen Wicked when I was about fourteen at the Birmingham Hippodrome, and like was blown away. I absolutely loved it and that really was the thing that kick-started theatre like the love of it for me but then after that I didn't really see anything because I like I don't know I thought maybe it was too difficult to get tickets or it'd be too expensive or I wasn't confident going on the train on my own because I was like 14. So for you regional theatre is really important. Yeah exactly but no one had really like shown me that regional theatre was important it wasn't until I was 16 and I remember going to see my first like like show on my own and I went with a girl called Ellie Mills Ellie Mills if you're listening I absolutely love you forever and um, she's an absolute icon and um, she's like a performer now and we both went to see Kinky Boots together and it was like the best experience I ever had it was like so magical so amazing I got the train on my own and I was like so nervous but that really like kick-started the love for me being like no right let's actually try and see how I like how to see things and stuff and then obviously when we'd gone to drama school together you showed me all these hacks like today ticks and like looking at the seating plan to see what your like seat was going to look like and I hadn't known any of that but then now I'm able to use that information to like go and see things like I've seen loads of stuff in Birmingham now and obviously then when I moved to Liverpool like seeing stuff at the Empire in Liverpool like again that was a lot more accessible because I literally lived like a 20 minute walk away from the theatre. And they did student rates right? Yeah they did a lot of options for students they did a lot of like cheaper tickets on the day um Loads of stuff like that, which you could do, like, uh, we went and saw um Matthew Bourne's, like, The Nutcracker and stuff for, like, really cheap, really close, like, and now I feel so lucky that I've almost, you're almost, like, armed with these tools on how to get a ticket, which is, like, crazy, really, and obviously now I'm moving back to London, I'm super excited, I'm going to try and see as much as I can on a budget, um but I think it's really hard because as, like, say, performers and teachers and whatnot, like, you're encouraged to go and see as much theatre as possible. That's what everyone says to you. Go and see. That's what they said at drama school to us. But it's, like, so difficult at times. You have to really use these things that, you know, can help you, like, the different deals and whatnot, to be able to see things and to be accessible. And I think, sort of more, I guess, on a more political stance, that sort of people's socioeconomic background really does have a massive part to play in their success within the industry in terms of 
you know, never going to see a show until you were 16 versus seeing a show on Broadway or West End since you were, like, six. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. really has a massive impact. So I think the more that we can do to bring... Well, it's a difficult one because you want to bring prices down in terms of it being accessible and make sure everyone can see it, but at the same time, you don't want it so low that then the theatre doesn't make anything, the theatre goes dark, like, and it shuts, and, you know... So it's, it's a really hard balance, I think, between having theatres prosper and making sure that shows continue but at the same time having like affordable seats that everyone can go and see because theatres should be accessible to everyone like everyone should get the magic of theatre like I really believe that but there's this worry about sort of this elitist like thing where people can't afford tickets and can't afford to get that it's really it's it's a really difficult thing to talk about and think about but I think there's nothing like it is there I'm going to throw a question at you (laughs) Ooh, a reverse card. <laughs> um, what is the best thing that we've seen together? Ooh, such a great question. It's funny, I was saying to Eleanor earlier, actually, anyone who's listening, I was looking at my Instagram highlight of, like, theatre stuff, and um, Eleanor's pretty much a person <laughs> things. Okay, I'm going to throw let's, out all, let's throw out all the things, yeah. yeah. So what was the first... Can you remember what the I first thing can't do it in order. <laughs> oh, I, I know you? it in order. Do you? Okay, okay go on then. I'll well, 95 <laughs> was the first one that we yes. saw together. Yeah, oh, I love that. And then I think... <sighs> it was... Come from away. Come from away, oh, yeah. Six. Yeah, we saw... Six. Oh, no, six. No, it was six, six then Chris. come... Yeah, so it was... I think. Nine to five, then six, then come from away just before the cash change because yes. that was in March. Yes. Uh, just before COVID happened. And then and we then, almost saw Dear and Hanson, then we didn't. Yes, because we went to go see Dear oh, and Hanson the day the theatre shut and it, it was, was a very heartbreaking. It was yeah. a heartbreaking experience, guys. We so got sad. outside the venue and got the little like slip of yeah. saying that it was going to be closed and we were all like, oh. oh. It was so sad. So we almost saw that, but we didn't. And yeah. then we saw, I think it was then Adam's family. Yes, we saw Adam's family and then Dreamgirls after that. And then well. Dreamgirls. So that's. that's Gosh. You've taken me to see so many things, Eleanor. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, she's really the queen at getting uh, cheap prices, which is stunning. So start off those. Oh, that's a really hard question. My gut is saying come from away. I think just because, I think it's such a special show. I love that it's through with no interval. I think you're really invested in it. The music makes me sob, but everything makes me sob. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, Me in the Sky, I can't sit listen to that and cry because I think it's beautiful writing. I think the music is like nothing I'd heard before in the way. It's like uh, some gorgeous songs. It Like the prayer, that makes mm. me sob. Like, it's just the most... And it's so poignant. Yeah, it's so poignant, so magnificent. And I went and saw it on Broadway and like, you think it's good in the West End and then you go on Broadway and it's like, the room is just like, you can't even believe you're there. And so I think... That obviously going for the first time with you, that really made that a really special show for me. But then seeing it on Broadway after knowing how good it was, yeah. and then I took my friend oh, Hannah I've seen to it see it. Like five times. Yeah. Like you just go, you just go back and back. Yeah. That one. I took my friend Hannah to see it when we saw it on Broadway, and um, she'd never seen it before, so I kept just turning back to her, being like, yeah. "I'm crying." But, it. That's, going, but that's what, what you did to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it no, is really fir- nice. But the first time I saw it was before they um it won the Olivier, mm. um or maybe just after I can't remember, but my friend was watching it with her mum and her sister in the stalls, and I'd mm. got a uh, today's 
today takes tickets. So I was sat in the circle on my own. Oh no. Watching it for the first time on my own. And I remember it just like bawling. <laughs> and this poor woman next to me just handed me a tissue. Uh, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not okay. Oh, um, but yeah, yeah no, but I've taken, I've taken loads of people to see that show because it's <laughs> one that I will always go back to. Yeah. And I'm so excited 100%. that it's touring, that more people will be able to get it more accessibly because Definitely. it is just one of them mm-hmm. that just has to. That's the one show that I'm like, everyone has, has to, to see. see. Yeah, I always think, like, because my mum was like, oh, we should always go and see something. And I think that my parents would, like, enjoy it. Because mm. she, like... <laughs> she, my mum loved it. Yeah, Shout she, out to Karen. Yes, Karen. But my, say, like, I talked to my mum about Hamilton. She couldn't stand Hamilton. It's too rappy for her. She can't cope. I love Hamilton, as most of us do. But So I think she'd want something that's a bit more on the traditional side in terms of how it's written. But I think Come From Away has got such a... I think you can really follow the story well. And that, even though, despite everyone like, changing outfits and whatnot, yeah. like I think the way it's the set is done, I think is stunning, and yeah. it's so clever. It's so like minimalistic, and I think it just really works. And it I does. think it's amazing. Um, so that would be my number one. Um, I feel like I just need to talk about each of oh, them yeah, now. Go, so, um, six I think was so fun because of where we were sat. We were really close, but like quite high up, weren't we? And it was such yeah, a small theatre. Because we saw it in the arts theatre, which was yeah. when it was quite un- underground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Call it underground <laughs> no, no, it's it's gone massive now, yeah. hasn't it? But I love that because I knew the music, but I didn't really know how it was done. Yeah. So I was almost like shocked by the fact that it's more like concert vibes, but equally at the same time, like they talk through it, and it's so funny. Mm. I remember just like laughing my socks off at it. And um, it was like just this one big party, and I just I, I just really enjoyed it. Um, but I was very happy with the cast I saw, so I don't know whether I'd be in a rush to see it again. Because I'm not someone... I don't know, I like seeing things, obviously, as much as I can, but sometimes I feel like you ruin your first experience by seeing it again. But then I guess in other times you like have a better experience the second time. That was time, another one so... that I took Franny to see yeah. that I always <laughs> um, Yeah. Because I always go with... So that it always happens to me where I go with my friend and mm-hmm. I'm she takes me first and then I take Franny. <laughs> yeah. So literally. No, so I, it depends because I've seen a certain show quite a few times now mm. because I've had friends that are in the show and mm-hmm. the last time I saw it or I can't remember when but there are certain you are always gonna enjoy certain people's performances more yeah. than others but it's not a bad thing on them it's just how you perceive. And how you've mm. always enjoyed the music that yeah. you may not agree with their choices, but you respect them as yeah. an actor. Yeah, and it's really difficult, isn't it? Because I think also like the idea of like having a soundtrack that you've listened to over and over and over and over. Because obviously, like we obsess over these things, and then you go and see it, and then it's not the original cast. So I think it almost takes you a minute to go. Oh, hang on, I've got to acknowledge that these songs are going to be sung differently, and like, but that can be so exciting in the right context, like seen different versions like for example i went to see newsies recently and the version of watch what happens i thought was like really interesting because it was very different to the original and like that was exciting because it was nice to see actors making different choices and like different like directing choices as well because again it's not always the actor it's sometimes how the directors like you know made that vision so i think yes sometimes it can be a bit like abrupt like i remember when i saw hamilton for the first time obviously it's not Lin-Manuel Miranda no. in England, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, and when you're so used to his voice and like different things, it took me a little bit like to get into it for a second because I was like, whoa, this is not how I 
remember it. And Whereas I was not yeah. Hampton having a stan as much <laughs> yeah. as everyone else was. I so didn't. you sort of experienced but, um, it. I got to see it quite close to when it was opening randomly and people, people at my school really didn't like me for that because they were like, <laughs> you don't even listen to the soundtrack and you don't even like it. You've got a ticket. And I'm like, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> so got to do what you got to do. But... I did enjoy it, but I think I enjoyed it more because I hadn't obsessed over the soundtrack. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. it's hard, but I understand why soundtracks are so important to people. Mm. And then you could talk about bootlegs forever, which Oof, we're yeah, not going to talk we'll about. Avoid that. Yeah, but um, but people obsess yeah. over a soundtrack and videos yeah. of people from like Western Live or like anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And then when they go and see a performance from a different person, people can find that mm-hmm. slightly hard to accept. Yeah. I, but I do think that the more you go and the more you experience it not sounding like the soundtrack in in any aspect any show anything mm-hmm. you get more appreciation of the fact that it's exciting that it's different but I can understand why it happens and I do think there's I was talking to my friend Luke about this the other day because he's one where he likes to not know anything and just go in whereas I'm someone that likes to know I think I've worked out that now I like to know maybe one or two three songs that I definitely know and really love and then like maybe don't know the rest. So it's like I have little check marks within the show of like stuff that I know. I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. Um, but not too much because I think but then again, I don't know. I did know a lot of new like songs. We <laughs> it's like when we went to go see nine to five. Yes. So like I knew a few of the songs, like yeah, I would say, you know, classic stuff like that. But there's a lot of other songs that I didn't know, which I was like really like enjoyed watching. Um, but again, another thing to talk about with 9 to 5 is sort of the difference between seeing it in the West End and seeing it regionally. Like, I saw it, obviously, with you first in the West End, but then I saw it with my other friend, Lauren, um, in Liverpool. And to me, both versions were just as exciting. Um, I think we had relatively similar seats. I was maybe slightly further back for Liverpool. Um, obviously, different casts and whatnot, but I, I still enjoyed it just as much. And then that's the case of now, okay, you've already seen it once, so you sort of know the things that are going to happen. Like, do you still enjoy it second time around? And I did. Um, I think 9 to 5 is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen Pretty Woman? I haven't, no, but I'd, re- I'd like Woman. to. Yeah, it's definitely on the list. Touring next year. <laughs> come and see, come and get your tickets, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, 9 to 5 is very similar fun. to nine, 9 to 5 in yeah. terms of, obviously, it is a cult classic film that's been turned into a mm. musical. But I've never seen the film, done. though. Had you a seen the film? No, uh, not Pretty Woman. Sorry, oh, I thought you were about 9 to 5. No, 9 to 5. <laughs> oh, no, I yeah. had seen 9 to 5. Yeah, yeah. But so the same with it. No, yeah. I hadn't seen the 9 to 5 film, no. Have you watched it now? No, I still haven't. Oh, still I would like to watch it. I really it. want Dolly to. Part, a yeah, of course, we love Dolly. She's an icon. I'd absolutely love to. I just like, I think, you. Oh, where do you find it? Like, you know, what's it on? Someone, if anyone's surprised. listening and knows where it's on, like, holler at me and let me know. <laughs> but yeah, with Pretty Woman, iconic film. Yeah. But then I think, oh, it's the fear of like it being an iconic film and then you like trying to make it into a musical. Like, well, they've is done it, it so good? well, I yeah, think. But also, good. it's like Back to the Future. There's so yeah. many films and mm. you know like Mamma Mia as well there's yeah, a whole yeah. different type of musical theatre where yeah. you have original musical theatre and then you have mm. things that are things that, you know musicals that are based on or people's lives or people's yeah. music like, or like jukebox musicals exactly like, yeah. you've got something you, theatre is something for everyone. everyone yeah definitely I completely agree like for example Legally Blonde mm. one of my favourite films but also one of my favourite musicals I thought they got Legally Blonde just right like the music is so it's such a funny show like people forget it's so funny yeah. um and there's great songs in it happy moments sad moments. i mean league of Mine, i think is one of my favorite league of Mine and kinky boots are my two favorite shows ever i'm not gonna lie oh i can't i actually can't it's a choose. really hard one but they're the ones that i like always go back to and they're the ones that i wouldn't skip any song in the soundtrack 
So I think they have to be up there. I mean, Hamilton's up there too, obviously. I do listen to that straight through always. But, um, yeah. I think it's hard for me because ever since I kind of stopped being a performer, mm. my musical... Like, I used to be that musical theatre person. I would listen to musical theatre songs in the car and yeah. I would, you know, live and breathe musical theatre. And now I feel like working in theatre... It's different. It is, mm. it is a different kind of experience in terms of, like... I don't usually listen to musical theatre on the way to work anymore. I feel like... That's Not that I don't enjoy it, because I love going to the theatre, but I feel like I'm very much out of it now in terms of, like, I don't listen to soundtracks every day and I don't, like, follow all of the performers mm. on Instagram. Like, I have a different kind yeah. of, like, love for it in terms of, like... But also, sometimes I feel like I can't switch off when I'm watching things because yeah. I know what's going on around me and I'm very aware of things so like if I see something I'll be like oh what's going on like how are they dealing with it you can like sense a show stop before it happens yeah exactly (laughs) or like I just like I went to go and see a show and this woman I think must have had she had something wrong with her and she was kind of slumped over in her seat and I'm like you know where's the where's the usher where's the manager where's the first aid like what's going on and you you can never switch off anymore Mm. and I feel like people that work in the theatre will agree with that like I find it difficult to switch off yeah um anywhere not even in the theatres I work at no I think that's interesting actually um I think more of like from a teacher and performer side because I've sort of got one foot in one foot out at the minute I resonate with what you said in terms of like I used to listen to musicals every single day and I still do but definitely by no means as much as I used to like I'll listen to musical theatre songs on a long drive because they entertain me. <laughs> but sort of in my day to day, like listening and stuff, like it, it's not as much as it used to be. It used to be like my getting ready playlist or whatever. Yeah, and now, when we went to drama school, we'd listen to them every morning. We'd have them we? in the car. Yeah. We'd have them, yeah. you know, we'd put on a musical theatre playlist mm-hmm. while we were cooking dinner. Yeah. You know, we'd get, we were so close to so we go and cheese shows all the time. Yeah. Drama school is a very big bubble. Well, 100%. And I remember going to see um, a friend in his third year show. And I was out of that drama school bubble at that point, and my friend came with me, who's never been to drama school, but is a lover of theatre, so great. Yeah. Um, and we sat in the seats, and I think a class had been invited from the drama school to watch oh, really? it, and observing them being in the drama school bubble and me being out of it was yeah, like looking in on a fever dream. Like it was very mm. interesting, like seeing how I used to act from the other side. And it's yeah. not a bad thing. I'm not no, saying it's a no. negative. I'm just like. It's, it's different. crazy how yeah. different I am from a couple of years ago to how I am now. Yeah, and that's, you know, something to comment on of, like, sort of different journeys and whatnot. When you are at drama school, it is, you're sort of in that bubble. And it's an exciting bubble to be in. Like, don't get me wrong, like, it's so exciting to sort of, you know, be training and watching musicals and thinking, oh, I could be in that one day. And, like, that's so exciting. But at the same time, having that distance gives you so much perspective, like, like I said, just I feel like I'm one foot in, one foot out in terms of that when I went to like a, a uni that's not a drama school and did education and dance, like I sort of felt very far away from it for a while and that was really sad to me because it is the heart of what I want to do and the heart of what I love. Um, and then I remember I went through like a really, really like rocky time going from the drama school to uni, like in September when I started in, in 2020, I think. Um, because all my social media was just everyone with their picture outside their drama school and it literally made me feel physically sick because I was like, oh my God, I'm not there, I'm not part of it. Like, And I 
absolutely adore my drama school friends. Like, I'm so proud of all of them. Yeah. They really were, like, a core group. Like, our year group, like, where we went was amazing. Like, if anyone's listening from the drama school we went to, we love you. And, like, I... And like, we watch you from afar. Yes, and appreciate we do. you, and I can't wait to go and watch you on all the shows. Exactly, exactly. And that, like, we were literally... Before we started this podcast episode, we were just chatting about, like the fact that, like, our friends will be graduating soon, like, the idea of seeing people, like, we really love and know, like, in musicals that are, like, you know, West End, like, that's so exciting, and it's so nice to sort of, like, like, watch those people succeed, and this is how I know I'm a teacher, because I'm, like, so more excited for them to succeed than yeah. I am for myself, like, mm-hmm. and when I was at drama school, it was, it turned out very clear to me that I was a teacher more than a performer, and, like, don't get me wrong, if I ever got a chance to perform, I'd definitely take it, but... I was in our jazz classes watching people being like, oh my God, yes. Oh my God, that person nearly got that double pirouette. Oh, if she just pulled up one little bit, she'd get there. And I was like, oh my God, he's almost got that. Yes, oh my gosh, yay. <laughs> he just got the box splits. How exciting. Like, And that was my joy of being mm. at drama school was watching everyone else succeed. Like, obviously, yeah, I was proud of myself and um, definitely progressed like massively when I was there and I loved it. Very intense. Um, but my whole pride and joy was seeing other people succeed and like, and it still is. Whereas my journey at drama school, <laughs> I figured out that it was definitely not what I wanted to do at all. But you have to go and know, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And I, think that's and I don't thing. regret yeah. going at all in any means. And the people 100%. that I've met and the time I was there was amazing and I'm so proud of yeah. everyone and I don't have any resentment towards yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't right for me. It wasn't the school, it was me. Definitely. And, and that's... I mean that's hard that's a hard one to come to terms with yourself but you don't know unless you go so you've got to give it a whack and see how it is but there is no um stigma around leaving drama school because if it's not for you it's not for you and i think it's it happens more than you think and i don't think it's as talked about as it should be definitely because before i went it was like you have to get in and you do Mm -hmm. it and then you go and perform but actually it is a, such a hard industry. It, it is really very is. oversaturated. And if you even do the degree and then go and end up doing something else, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. No. You still learn the discipline and it is a great one to, you know, it's life skills and discipline mm-hmm. and all of the things that you learn at drama school, even if you don't go on to do a job within performing, mm-hmm. it it will still set you up for life. Yeah, definitely. And you learn so much while you're there. And you are putting your body under a lot of strain and stress, obviously to become the best like dancer, singer, actor that you can, because as you said, it's a very oversaturated industry and you have to be amazing now. It's almost like before it'd be like amazing that you could do a double pirouette. Now it's like standard. Do you know what I mean? And that is so, so difficult and it's a really tricky, you know, but if you love it and your heart's in it, I do believe that anyone can get there because it's all dependent on you and your motivation, your work ethic. But at the same time, if you're like psychologically not there, in, not, not psychologically not there, I don't mean that. I mean like not wanting to be there yeah. or there's any part of you that is feeling like, oh, you know what, this is too much for me right now. Like you need to take the time that you need because your mental health is way more important than uh, driving yourself into the ground and in terms of like burnout and stuff like that. I know I experienced it and I know a lot of my other friends have experienced it within their three years. Like I was only there for a year and even then um, I was sort of working myself to the ground because you want to be the best and you want to be like the next best thing because you have to because it's a very competitive industry but you can't 
sacrifice your well-being to do so because you'll you'll get there and you won't be able to do it because you'll be too like burnt out and that's a massive thing I mean it's what I wrote my dissertation on um about motivation and burnout and perfectionism within sort of like high level training and it's what something it's something that I'm really passionate about going on to be a teacher that makes sure that you are taking the breaks you need um but also obviously pushing yourself to be the best you can be because that's amazing but acknowledging that burnout is a thing perfectionism is a thing and comparison to other people is a massive thing and that we need to stop doing that (laughs) and that's something like I'm really really um I'm really passionate about making sure that people don't burn out and that you do you can do your training in a healthy way but it takes an awful lot and it takes someone to sell you sometimes because you're not sometimes you're not strong enough to notice yourself because you're young like you know we went at like 18 19 like your babies and you don't and we're still babies now like you don't know and it isn't until maybe someone with authority or a teacher or whatnot says to you hang on like are you okay is this too much or do you need a break today like it's so important and I think I'd I'd like to think that it's becoming more common and more heard of definitely from the student perspective students are definitely massively aware of their mental health and and how I think it also depends where you go 100% I know a lot of drama schools do have support systems and do have welfare sort of and this is sort of similar to what I was talking to Catherine about in our episode a couple a couple of episodes ago um having like a designated person for welfare but also that person has to be the right person you can't just say oh yeah we've got a welfare person and they're actually not very trained or not giving the right advice or you know but also some places don't even have that and it's I think we're doing a disservice to students in in drama schools without the right emotional um and like mental well-being support because it is you know you put your body through a lot but you're putting your brain through a lot as well um and I hope one day I can be that person for yes. somebody and that's what if that's what my little thing is to change the world that's what I would be happy I could die happy knowing that I made sure someone felt safe and comfortable within their training and Absolutely. Um, that is the the kicker for me but also equally in the job that you do you have to sort of I guess be mindful of your staff's like welfare as well as, as well as the performers too because maybe it might be you that sees it in the in the performing job as opposed to the performing themselves or yeah. um you know because burnout is a is a big thing and I can imagine working on a show you do all this effort in training but working on a show itself you physically are being paid to be on that stage so you have to be there it's making sure you take the right time to look after yourself between shows and whatnot wow that was a bit of a tangent that was <laughs> Any more thoughts, Eleanor? No, I think that's quite a good place okay. to finish. I think I just one last question. One last question to round it up back to sort of the role that you do. If anyone was looking to work in the theatre in terms of more backstage stuff, technical stuff or front of house or whatnot, um, what would be your advice slash where would you suggest to start and um, what's the best part of the job? I think <laughs> um, in terms of getting into it, it's... Um, figuring out what you think your favourite bit is or trying a bit of everything because you're mm-hmm. never going to know unless you try. Yeah. Um, Theatre jobs are becoming a lot more accessible. Cameron McIntosh has just done like a technical apprenticeship. Mm. There's stuff that brings schools into theatre, so it's just finding a way in, Um, you know, going to your local theatre and kind of doing some shadowing, some work experience if mm. you can. Um, 
it's not all about the uni degree. You don't have to have a degree to do any of the roles mm-hmm. in theatre anymore because it it's hard, but it's not what you know, it's who you know. Definitely. And if you get your name out there, then people recommend you. Like my friend mm-hmm. from York is now working on a West End show mm-hmm. and the job wasn't even advertised. She just got it through knowing yeah. someone. But she had been working her, you know, her butt off in mm-hmm. York and making sure that everyone knew you know knew of her and she was doing all of her mm-hmm. different training and it's everything sort of network and she actually got a place in a very prestigious drama school to do you know the technical side of theater and she turned it down because she knew that's not what she wanted to do mm-hmm. and she's still doing that job so yeah. you don't have to do a university it's to lots get of different into this side of it avenues and you can sort of take different routes and they all will end up to where you want yeah exactly yeah lovely stuff i always say you know if you work hard you're humble you're kind the right things will come back to you and um absolutely that's the way you gotta live your life Woo-hoo. well let's wrap this episode up eleanor it's been lovely to chat to you and if you've got any questions for eleanor um <laughs> you can message me or i'll definitely put her instagram and whatnot on um, the fran bubble instagram post if you're not following fran bubble instagram head over there please because um that's where i post when new episodes come out and whatnot but anyway i usually use that little plug when i'm doing my little intro and outro but i've just done it now so big fat slow (laughs) (laughs) and we'll see you next time oh i just love that episode catching up with eleanor was so lovely we haven't seen each other in a long time so that was lovely and it's so nice to get a different perspective on theater as i know often we sort of see it through the performer lens Um, But it's important to see the other sides of it too. So I think this is a really important conversation to have. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. As we always say, whenever or wherever you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you're having a wonderful day. And if you want to be a guest on the podcast, then holler at me, hit me up, let me know. Um, Yeah, cool. We've got some exciting episodes coming up. So yes, I'm really, really excited. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.